Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. Did you know that there is an attitude that we can have that makes us receive from God? I like to call it a place for grace or being ready to receive. You know, when I was a youngster and playing cricket, our cricket coach was trying to teach us how to catch a cricket ball. When a batsman hits a cricket ball, especially a long distance, and you are out there trying to catch the cricket ball, there are several things you have to do. A cricket ball is a very hard ball, and so if you don't catch it correctly, it can hurt your hands. But there was all sorts of things we had to learn, how to place our feet, how to place our eyes and our hands in relation to our eyes, and various tricks about putting your hands in front of your body so that you can cushion the blow, but also moving your hands as the ball comes in. And we learnt lessons on how to catch a cricket ball. And the Bible talks a lot about the fact that God is gracious. He wants to help. He is so uh, desirous that everybody should be saved. But there is one attitude that makes all the difference. It really does make a huge difference. And I'm going to look at it today. I'm going to show you several different pictures and stories. And at the end of it, we'll summarize what we've learned. So the first is of a man at a pool. In John chapter 5 and verse 2, there was a man who for 38 years had been lying next to a pool and hoping that he would be healed because about once a year, the waters would get stirred up and, and an angel would come and whoever got into the pool first would be healed. And this man had been lying there for 38 years and unbeknownst to him, Jesus, the healer, the, the expression of God's life and grace was right there in his midst. And Jesus went up to the man and he said, do you want to be made well? Which was a very strange question. You would have thought that a man lying there next to the pool for healing wanted to be made well. You would have thought that a man who'd been a cripple for 38 years wanted to be made well. But Jesus was testing his attitude. Do you realize you have a need? Do you want to be made well? And the man said, yes, Jesus healed him, said, rise up and walk. And it says that as he did that, as he obeyed Jesus, as he started to stand up, even though he hadn't been able to for so many years, uh, he was healed miraculously. And later on, Jesus found him again and explained a little bit more of salvation to him because it wasn't just his body that Jesus wanted to heal. Jesus wanted to heal his spirit and his soul. So the first is just this man who had to come with the right attitude to Jesus. We will look at this more a little bit later. Then we see Jesus relating to many, many different people. You know, what is so fascinating is Jesus was kind and gentle and forgiving to everyone he met except one category of people. So it didn't matter how bad the sin was that a person had committed, uh, he would forgive them and heal them. It didn't matter how bad the sickness was that they needed, Everyone who asked him for healing was healed, but there was one category of people who did not get healed. And the Pharisees and a couple of, there was a rich man and there was a lawyer. They're, they're kind of all in the same category. And I'm going to show you their stories briefly now and see if you can pick up the common thread. 
So the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, why are you eating with sinners and tax collectors? You're supposed to be a holy man. Why are you spending time with, with, with people who are not good? And Mark 2, Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What he was saying there is not that the Pharisees were righteous and everyone else was a sinner. He said, you've got to realize you need help. You don't go to a doctor unless you need something fixed. And he said, I have come to those who are sick and those who realize that they need help. And the Pharisees just didn't get this. They were so full of pride. Uh, and eventually in Matthew 23, Jesus really laid into them. And, you know, he was so kind and gentle to people who came to him with problems, with sins, with sicknesses who had been excluded and judged by everyone else. He was extremely kind. There was a lady who was caught in adultery and a whole mob had gathered to execute her by stoning her, by throwing stones at her. And Jesus came to her aid. He stood with her instead of with the mob. He was gentle. He was kind. He spoke to the mob and he said, if you are without sin, then you can throw a stone. And one by one they left. And then he, he's left alone with this woman who is full of shame and guilt. And he says, who condemns you? She says, they've all left. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. So Jesus was extremely gentle, forgiving, gracious, kind, loving, except to the Pharisees. Uh, in Matthew 23, there's a whole chapter where he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And he just basically says, you look good on the outside, but on the inside, there's something not quite right. And the reason was because they came with this attitude. So let me read you about the rich young ruler and the, and the lawyer. In Mark chapter 10, uh, a rich young ruler comes to Jesus. And this man was extremely wealthy, and because he was wealthy, he thought he was better than other people. But he came to Jesus, and he said, Good teacher, what good thing must I do to get into heaven? And Jesus immediately realized that this man thought he was good, and he thought it was about earning heaven, about doing enough, and then you're good enough to get into heaven. And Jesus said, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God but one, and that is God. He was saying, A, goodness, adjust your, your scale of goodness. You're not good. Nobody's good. Nobody's good except God, and, and I'm God, Jesus was saying at that point. But what was important is that Jesus responded to him in a different way to how he responded to everyone else who came to him uh, needing forgiveness, needing salvation. They all realized their need this man didn't. He thought he was good enough. So Jesus said to him, well, let's go through the Ten Commandments. And he listed them. And the man said, yes, I've done all of those. And it says Jesus loved him, but he knew that actually this man had pride and, and a, a sense of self-righteousness and superiority. So Jesus said, well, what about your money? What about giving away your money? And it says the man went away sad because Jesus responds to those who come in humility in a different way to those who come thinking they're good enough. What about the lawyer in Luke chapter 10? Uh, a lawyer came to him, uh, testing him and, and saying, 
you know, what, what must I do? How, how do I, uh, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He was quoting uh, from the Old Testament and saying that that's the, the greatest. And the man in verse 29, it says, but the man wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So he was a lawyer and he was getting all pernickety and, and detail-oriented with the law. He was used to being a lawyer who could argue his way, saying, ah, oh, the fine print says this, or there's a loophole in this contract. And he thought he could do the same with Jesus and with God. He came with an arrogance. He thought, I can argue my way out of this. Who is my neighbor? And Jesus told him the parable of the Good Samaritan, which basically says, look, try to be a neighbor, not try to be excluded from this command. Try to say, who can I be a neighbor to and help the man who is in need? But in both of these cases, Jesus came back at the person with a different attitude to, he, to the way that he responded to people in need. Uh, let me just show you Paul, the apostle's attitude in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9. So Paul was a Pharisee and he was attacking the Christian church. And Jesus appeared to him one day when he was traveling on a road to Damascus and just broke his heart and changed him. And he became an apostle. He became one of, one of Jesus's workers. But in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9, this summarizes the attitude that we need to have to be in the place of grace, to be uh, ready to receive. Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. So the first thing Paul does is he says, I'm not going to big myself up. I'm not going to promote myself. I'm not going to rely on my own goodness or my own ability. He says, I'm the least. I'm the least of the apostles. I'll, I'll promote other people and say others are great, but I persecuted. I deserve nothing. Um, I, I am not worthy. I'm not entitled. I, I, I'm not deserving. But then he, he balances it in verse 10. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. So there's a, a, a slight difference here where there is an understanding that God has loved me. God has forgiven me. If it was me on my own, if, if I had to rely on my own goodness, my own ability, my own pedigree, my own knowledge, I would be lost. But God has been gracious. So there's an element of faith and receiving of God's grace. And then he says, but his grace to me was not in vain. I labored more abundantly than they all yet, not I, but the grace of God that was with me. He says it resulted in action. It resulted in obedience. It resulted in doing something. So what are the three elements here? First of all, Paul humbles himself. Secondly, he believes and he receives the grace. And thirdly, he acts upon it. It's a little bit similar to the man 38 years as a paralytic on the side of the lake, on the side of the pool. He says, Jesus, yes, I need you. I do want to be made well. I believe you. You can heal me. You say I must rise up. And then he acts on it and he does something. Um, and a summary of this truth is in James chapter 4, verse 6. It says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And verse 10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up.
Let me read that verse to you again. He gives more grace. God is always wanting to give grace. You know, there's, there's not a reluctance on God's part. And he's willing to overlook and overcome any sin, any problem, any, anything within us, except pride. It says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So this is it, friends. This is the, the kind of summary verse. When we humble ourselves, we get grace. When we are proud or we come to God thinking we deserve, we're good enough, He owes us something, we're better than other people, that's an, a definition of pride. God is resisting us. It's, it's a, a scary word. Um, it it's, sets Himself up in an array against us. And we see that with Jesus and, and the various people. He, he was trying. He wasn't trying to be horrible to them. He wasn't trying to crush them. He was trying to show them that they needed him. It's a bit like a doctor. If I go to the doctor and I'm sitting on the other side of the desk and I say, hello, doctor, I'm here to see you today. And he says, well, what can I do for you? And I say, I don't, I don't need anything. Are you sure? There's nothing you need? No, no, I'm, I'm fine. But I've got all these medicines behind me. I've got all this knowledge from my study at university. I've got all the, the access to modern miracles of medicine. Are, are you sure there's nothing you need? No, 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 I, I'm fine. I'm, I'm good enough. I'm fine, thanks. Then if the doctor is like Jesus, he starts to prod a bit. And he says, well, walk a bit. Let me see. Are your knees okay? What about your stomach? How about, how about your weight? How about your blood pressure? And he, he starts to ask me questions. That's what Jesus was doing. He sets himself up to say, you've got to be realizing you need me for me to help you. So I just want to mention for a, for a second here this, this fact that it says humble yourself. You know, we sometimes think that God must humble me or maybe that other people must humble me or perhaps that we must humble other people. And I just want to show you that this is the one thing God will do everything. He will do miracles in our lives. He gives more grace to the humble, but he won't humble us. We have to humble ourselves. And I've had people ask me this before. Why will God not humble me? And why will other people not humble me? And I'm just going to give you a quick answer here. The first reason why we don't humble other people is A, because we don't uh, have any right to. We're not any better than anybody else. We can't humble somebody else because then it makes us higher than them and we are not supposed to be higher. But then secondly, the Bible says we are only supposed to do and to say things that build people up, to edify them, to strengthen them, to encourage them. 1 Corinthians 14 says even prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and encouragement. It's never to humble people and to bring them down. And then the reason God doesn't humble us is because He has given us a period of grace. Since Jesus came until Judgment Day, there is a period of grace. So, I don't have time to read all the verses now, but God says He's not going to judge anyone now since Jesus has come. He's handed over judgment to Jesus. Jesus said, I'm not judging anyone until judgment day. For now, I'm speaking words of grace and the words that I speak will be the judge on judgment day. He's not judging and he's not humbling and he's not crushing people. He is here with a period of grace. Now, it's possible to be standing in this rain shower of grace 
and think I don't need it. And so we put up this umbrella called pride and we don't realize that the only thing we need to do is remove the umbrella of pride to stop saying I'm good enough, to stop saying I'm, I'm fine, thanks. I, I've earned my right to get into heaven or to be blessed by God. To just take that out of the way and then the grace will fall on us. So I'm just going to read you a few practical how-tos now. The first is having a, 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 a right attitude of where we stand with regard to God and with other people. You know, sometimes we think that we deserve something. And Luke 17, Jesus said, Which of you, having a servant plowing or tending his sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat. Will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper, gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, you should say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. You know, sometimes we think that we need God to thank us. <laughs> we may not say it in so many words, but we think God's quite lucky to have me attending his meetings and doing his work for him. And these other people who, who I'm ministering with or ministering to, they're quite lucky to have me on their team. And Jesus said, we've got to get a different attitude, a servant attitude. When a servant serves his master, he doesn't expect thanks, he doesn't expect the master to wait on him, he says, no, it's just my duty, it's just my place, and we need to understand our place. God is God, we are not God, and nobody else is our servant, we are the same as everybody else. There's another story of a Pharisee and a tax collector, Luke 18, 11. Uh, the Pharisee stood, there were two men praying, one was a Pharisee, one was a tax collector. It says, the Pharisee stood and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. He was full of pride and he thought he was better than other people. The tax collector, verse 13, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted next one is titles and positions in matthew 23 verse 8 jesus said do not be called rabbi for one is your teacher the christ and you are all brethren and do not call anyone on earth your father for one is your father who is in heaven and do not be called teachers for one is your teacher the christ but he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Jesus was saying if you're seeking title, position, self-promotion, uh, you're getting pride in your position, he says that's not it. We're all the same as human beings, and God is the only one who we should honor. Jesus in Matthew 18 said, Be like little children, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, serving others, he said that in this world, the leaders try to get other people to serve them. In Matthew 20, Jesus said, It shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great, let him be your servant. There's a humility. Um, what about this one? Jesus told a parable. He said, When you're invited to a dinner, go and sit down in the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, go up higher then you will have glory in the presence of those 
who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. 1 Peter 5 says, Younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And then lastly, worship and fasting. When we worship, we bow our knees, we tell God how great He is, or when we fast and pray, we are putting ourselves in the right position. Friends, what am I saying today? I'm saying that there is a place of grace, and it may be counterintuitive. Many of us come to God and we may think, He wants me to be clean before I get into the bathtub of His salvation. But He says, no, you come as you are. The only thing that I require is for you to realize that you need help. And my last point is just about self-deception. I'm just going to read you three verses that talk about how we deceive ourselves when we have this prideful attitude. 1 John 1 verse 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. That means that I can make myself believe that I'm better than I am if I refuse to admit that I have sinned. Galatians 6 verse 3, if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. It's possible for us to trick our brains to thinking that we're something great when actually we're not as great as we thought we were. And then 1 Corinthians 3 18, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. When I think my knowledge is perfect and I know what I need to know and I have nothing I need to learn, I'm deceiving myself. So what's the summary of this? Well, it's really just that verse that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. We've got to say, God, in your eyes, I, I don't deserve anything. I'm not entitled to blessing. I'm not entitled to salvation. I realize I'm sick. Dr. Jesus, I need help. But then he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. We've got to say, Lord, I trust your word. When you say that you give me grace, I believe it. I am in myself unworthy, but in you, I am what I am. I am forgiven. I am empowered. I can do what you say I can do. Like the, the man, the paralyzed man on the side of the pool. Yes, I'm going to stand up and walk. And then that's the third point is Paul says, but this grace was not in vain. I did something with it. I labored more abundantly, but it wasn't me. It was God's grace enabling me. We've got to then stand up and walk and start doing something for God. A humble attitude. We humble ourselves. We don't big ourselves up. We don't promote ourselves. We say, God, I'm the same as everyone else and I'm below you and no one owes me anything. In fact, I'm just an unprofitable servant. I just deserve nothing. But your grace, Lord, thank you. I trust your word when you say that if I confess my sin, you will forgive me. I trust you, Lord. I trust that you've given me everything I need for life and godliness, that you are with me, that you'll never leave me, that you've called me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's an amazing gift. Your grace, I am what I am by the grace of God. Now I'm going to start to stand up and walk. I'm going to start to do something that you have called me to do. Friends, this works itself out in many, many ways. But the one thing I have learned over many years of trying to follow this, this principle 
is that I keep falling back into pride. <laughs> if I'm honest with you, I can remember four or five times where I've been praying and the Lord has prodded me and he says, how are you doing with that humility thing, my son? And I've had to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I thought I was clever. I thought you owed me something because I'd obeyed. I thought that I was better than other people and I need to humble myself. The Bible says, humble yourself. God won't do it. Other people won't do it. We shouldn't do it to other people, but we can do it to ourselves. We can say, Lord, this is the position I should be in below you. You are great. You owe me nothing, but thank you for your grace. Compared to other people, I'm just another person, just like everybody else. I'm not going to call myself rabbi or father or teacher or take a title or position. I'm just like everyone else. And God says God gives more grace. When we humble ourselves, he exalts us. He gives more grace. And we just keep reminding ourselves. And fasting is just one last little thing that we can do. When we fast, we are, it's almost like we're in a, in a period of mourning when we fast. And it brings us back down to earth. And we stop thinking we're so great. And so I would encourage you, maybe every now and again, not all the time, but just every now and again, just say, Lord, I'm just going to fast. Just to remind myself where I am who you are, and just to humble myself. And just keep reminding yourself of the truth of God's word. Because it is better to be under God's grace because of our humility than to think you're great and to be self-deluded and then realize at the end when the master of the, of the dinner party comes and says, please would you go down to a lower place because you, you assumed you were at a, at a higher position. It is better to be under God's grace through humility than in a self-deluded place of thinking that I'm great. And the great news is that the Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When we ask for His Spirit, Luke 11, verse 11 to 13, He always says yes. When we confess our sins, He always forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Can I challenge you? And, and encourage you today to just come back. Take away the umbrella of pride and let the rain of God's grace fall on you today. Get back into the place of grace. And if you've been hard-hearted for maybe quite a while now and you're not experiencing God so much anymore, just say, Lord, I want to go back to how I was when I first got saved. I don't deserve anything. You are great. Forgive me and let His grace come in once more. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.